as you're turning, I'll share uh, just a funny thing with you. Uh, every time Pastor Wilkerson travels and preaches somewhere, uh, he takes pictures, and on the Sunday night after he gets back home to his church family, he shows pictures uh, of uh, where he was and uh, the ministry got to minister. And, and I don't know what I don't know all the pictures he showed. Probably some of you, your ugly mugs. I mean, your beautiful faces uh, might have been on the screen. Uh, I do know that uh, a girl that uh, uh, I say girl, she's a, a woman, probably in her forties now. Uh, she's younger than me, so she's a girl. And uh, I know she messaged my sister, and and the word the message my sister got was your brother is at First Baptist Church of Hammond. And she said, no, he's not. She said, yeah, he was here tonight. And I think she was confused. I was on the screen. But of all the pictures that were shown, I got a few messages from members of First Baptist that I know. And the only thing they cared about was one picture. Pastor Wilkerson took a picture of my Ford Festiva uh, that I picked him up in one morning. And the message as I got was, please send us a picture of Pastor Wilkerson in that car. We'll pay you money. And uh, we missed an opportunity. I told Pastor Wilkerson we could have raised a lot of money for the gospel uh, if we'd taken that picture. I might, I might uh, get Colton to do it via AI. We'll get him in there somehow. But uh, uh, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles there to Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 22. And we're seeing a, a very pivotal moment in the book of Acts. And we began in Acts chapter 1 and up to this point, uh, one of the key men uh, that we notice in the first half of the book of Acts is Peter. Now we see other men like Stephen. I'm going to talk about Stephen Sunday night. Uh, we see other men, uh, that Philip and other men who minister, but the main key man that we notice in the first half of the first eight chapters of Acts is Peter. And we see something miraculous that happened here in this passage. And we are introduced uh, to a man named Saul of Tarshish, uh, Paul the Apostle. And we have here the record uh, of his conversion. And we're going to see in verse 11 uh, a place called Straight Street. And tonight we answer the question, what happened? What happened on Straight Street? Look here with me in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples, Lord, went to the high priest. Let me tell you right there, uh, he was not playing on the same side. Uh, he was not on the Lord's side. Uh, he was not on Peter's side. He was not on the side of the Christians. In verse 2, and he desired him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, and by the way, Christians were not yet called Christians uh, they were first called Christians. That word was coined in Antioch. It was a derogatory term uh, from the world towards believers, followers of Christ. Ah, you're just like Jesus. Now, what did the world think of Jesus? They crucified him. They were not yet called Christians. They were called, the common phraseology was people of the way at this time. And if they found any of this way or the people of the way, the followers of Christ, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. This is speaking of Saul. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? 
And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And by the way, if you have any question whether or not Jesus is God, uh, that verse right there will clear it up uh, 100% clear. Uh, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. In verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, and they led him by the hand and brought him into, into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And as seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put in his hand on him said, Brother Saul, imagine calling him Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith, and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. What a powerful, powerful passage. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, how encouraging to read the conversion of Saul. How powerful. Lord, a man who was adamant, a man who was religious, a man who was devout, a man who was intelligent and learned, but a man who was sincere, following the wrong thing. And Lord, how wonderful that he came and had a relationship and a confrontation with you. Lord, because I had a confrontation with you, because I met you, I was able to call on you as my Savior. And Lord, I thank you that Brother Paul, Brother Saul, called on you as well. Lord, as we talk about what happened there on Straight Street, Lord, I pray you'd encourage us. Remind us what you did for us. Remind us what you want to do for others as we share the gospel. Remind us as we see our lives growing and going forward for you. Help me, Lord, tonight to, to share that which you'd want me to. Lord, take from my mind that which would hinder your purpose and your will tonight. 
And Lord, would you minister to the hearers? Lord, minister to me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. In verse 11 it says, And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. We see Judas's house here, not Judas Iscariot, for he had already hanged himself. But Judas's house was on Straight Street, and inside of Judas's house was Saul. He was praying. We see that he had been an enemy of the gospel. He, he, he had done much harm. And by the way, there were many who even after this event believed that Paul was an imposter. That he was, if you will, a double agent. Uh, that he was trying to say, oh yeah, I'm just like you. So we could gather people together and then say, okay, just kidding, now I'm going to kill you. And by the way, I would have been of that opinion. I, I believe I would have doubted the authenticity of the conversion of Saul. I, I, I would have been very skeptical at the least. But the Lord Jesus met him in verses 3 through 5. And I tell you, when you meet Jesus Christ, you're never the same. You're never the same. And Paul met Jesus. Immediately, this proud man, and he was a proud man, as he would share his testimony years later after service for the Lord, he'd say, hey, I had whereof to gold. Circumcised in the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Uh, he goes on to Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, the law of blameless, talking about all of the phylacteries that he could hold out. He was a proud man. He had whereof to glory, he thought. Later in life, he said, I count it all but dung. But this proud man humbled himself. He was convicted. He was converted. And he was commissioned all at the same time. And by the way, you will never be converted unless you're convicted. Never. Never until you come face to face with the reality of your sin will you ever come to a place Amen. where you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ right. as your Savior. Right. But he was convicted and converted and commissioned all at the same time. doesn't happen often, but it did for him. It was a miracle. By the way, every conversion, every person that trusts the Lord Jesus Christ is a miracle. Every person that believes is a miracle. Paul was, it was a miracle. Then the Lord spoke, we see here, to Ananias and sent him to encourage Saul. And Ananias said, but God, I, I've heard of him. I, I know who he is. I, I know why he's here. I know what his mission is. Basically, he was saying, Lord, I don't want to go. I, I don't, I don't want to be the one to go. But God called him. But he was obedient. He sought out Saul. In verses 10 through 18, we see that Ananias helped Saul. But I want to think very quickly tonight, just some thoughts about what happened. What happened here? What happened in this passage? What happened there on Street Street? Number one, it was a street where a man was gloriously converted. Where a man was gloriously converted. Converted from being on his way to hell, being converted to being an enemy of the gospel, and he was converted to a child of God. His sins were forgiven. He, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. 
the one that he was fighting, the one that he was against, now he's a follower of. That's a phenomenal conversion. And by the way, that's true of every one of you. Every person who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you had a glorious conversion. By the way, if tonight you say, oh, Pastor, no, I, I grew up in church. I got saved when I was young. You know, I didn't have a glorious conversion. Well, don't ever get over the fact that God saved you. You don't have to spend 20 years out in sin or, or spend a lifetime in false religion or, or, or kick in the face, uh, kick into the pricks of the Lord for years until finally believing to have a glorious conversion. Every person that comes to Christ is gloriously converted. And we see the glorious conversion of Saul here. I want to read for you quickly in the book of Matthew, chapter 18 and verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The man who was lifted up above all humbled himself as a child. And he was converted. He was convinced that Jesus was not an imposter. He, he, I, I believe he was a very sincere man. I, I believe we would say he was a good man who was sincerely wrong. When I was in school, I, my best subject was math. I did very well in school, not because I was a good student. I was the worst student that ever went to school. But math was very easy for me. Math just made sense to me. I mean, just always made sense. From the time I was a little kid, math made sense. Uh, I was doing, you know, college-level equations when I was nine years old. I know somebody else like that here in this room, but I, I was, that, that was me. I, I, my brain understood math. Ever since the brain damage, now I can't. But I, I understood math. I mean, to me, for me to get something wrong on a math test, that didn't happen. I, I took calculus and trigonometry my grade 11 year in high school both at the same time. I took physics, calculus, and trigonometry, all three. In calculus and trigonometry, I got over 100% in both classes because our math teacher gave a bonus question on each test. I get everything right and the bonus question every grading period. Math makes sense to me. I'll never forget when I was a little boy, I was about five years old, and I know this is going to sound crazy to you, but it was devastating for me. And we were learning the principle of few, the word F-E-W. And few is, for those of you that don't know, that didn't go to kindergarten, uh, it's two or more. And I, in my mind, I thought that they that gave the definition of few as being two. Like that word, if it says few, it has to be two. And so I planted that in my brain. It made sense. I plugged it in. There was a worksheet. I remember seeing it years later as a teenager when I was going through some paperwork for college, and I saw that worksheet from kindergarten, and it brought back horrible memories for me. The only time I ever missed a point on any mathematic stuff growing up almost in kindergarten, they, they gave a list of so many things, and the word was few, and you're supposed to say how many was there. And I looked, and I counted them, and I know how to count. I took my shoes off and everything. 
But it said few. It has to be two. Because that computes few, two. That's what it is. Because I misunderstood, I got all the questions wrong. It was, it was traumatizing for me. How could I get something wrong? I got it wrong because I, I thought I was right. I was sincere about it. But I was wrong. Christian Paul thought he was right. Paul thought he was protecting truth. Paul thought he was guarding against an imposter. He thought he was keeping the purity of the nation of Israel and Jewish religion. But he was sincerely wrong. He learned that day that Jesus was the very God. He was the Messiah. And we see he was gloriously converted. Uh, it was at the home of Judas in Straight Street that he came into the assurance of the Savior's love and grace. How wonderful. Number two, it was the street, Straight Street was a street where a man began to pray. And I love this, verse 11, it says, And the Lord said to him, Arise and go in the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas. For one called Saul of Tarsus, Notice this, for behold, he prayeth. Christian, can I tell you that Saul had prayed many times. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Some of you, before you came to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you would spend hours of your life praying. <coughs> Maybe you'd prayed the rosary. Maybe you'd prayed uh, a prayer Several times a day, at certain times of the day, you'd prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Some of you had prayed more before you got saved than I've prayed since I've been saved. Or at least prayer as you called it. But there was a difference with this prayer. Paul was talking to God. And God said, hey! That man started praying. God heard him. God always hears the prayer of one calling upon him. God heard his prayer. No doubt Paul had prayed formal prayers. He prayed about himself like the man who said, I thank thee that I am not as his publican. I thank thee, Lord, that I give tithe of all. We read about a man who prayed like that who was a Pharisee. And Paul had probably prayed like that. But this prayer was different. He was humbled. He lifted up his heart in true worship. Do we really pray? When we pray, do we pray? Or do we just go through some words? Do we just say some words? Oh, yeah, I should say this, and I say this, and I say this, and I say this. And How many of you grew up playing video games? We have some video game generation here. I, I played video games on the Commodore 64, because uh, I'm a hillbilly. I didn't have a gaming system. But those of you that had gaming systems, how many of you know, remember cheat codes? You know, and you learn up, up, down, right. If I, John, give me a cheat code. Up, up, left, right, X, yeah. He can give you all of them. He knows them. Uh, and you have them in your brain. You, you, because you got to do it real quick before the game comes on. You learn them. You memorize them. And, man, you can not even look. You can be talking to your friend and put the cheat code in. Because you do it all the time when you play your game. A lot of times prayer is like that for us. But Paul began to pray here. Number three, 
it was the street, straight street, was the street where a man discovered the will of God for his life. When it comes to a person, the most important thing a person will ever understand is that God loves them. And that Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, died for them, was buried, and rose again. That's the gospel. And he is alive forevermore, and he knocks on your heart's door, and he offers eternal life for whosoever shall call. That, that's the greatest news, the best thing you can ever know. I believe the second best thing any person can ever know is the will of God. It's the will of God. Paul learned the will of God. God leads us one step at a time. We could look at the, the book of Psalms, and I, I love the book of Psalms. I love, I love being encouraged in the Psalms. Psalm 37, the Bible tells us in verse 23 and verse 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. Steps. How many of you have ever been in the dark and you're going down a set of stairs and you, you count the stairs? After I tore my knee, um, this one, after I tore my knee two years ago, I believe it was the Less than a week after I tore my knee, I got up in the early in the morning, and I had the brace on, praise God, and I was going down the stairs to get coffee. Coffee is a dangerous sport, and in the dark, Brother Krim, I thought I was at the bottom of the landing, and I wasn't, and I stepped out on nothing, only unlike God, I didn't create the world. I fell down. And boom, crash, bang, bang, crash. And my mom and dad were here. They were here for uh, Rebecca's wedding. Of course, they thought I died. Carrie thought I died. Carrie, Carrie didn't come down to me. She ran across the room and went and got, was it Rebecca or got Lizzie? Anyway, she went and got one of the girls because she knew she couldn't pick me up. And uh, came downstairs. And I think I was laughing, if I remember right. And uh, Praise the Lord, I didn't hurt myself too badly. But I'm laying down there like, man, what an idiot. Man, I'm already, I already need surgery, and now I'm falling down the stairs again. And so I started counting the stairs <laughs> in the dark after that. The Bible says the Lord orders our steps. He doesn't always give us a long range, but he always gives us the steps. He always gives us the direction. Paul here understood the will of God, the steps that God wanted him to take. He didn't know yet that one day he'd be imprisoned. He didn't know he'd be stoned. I'm not talking about the kind of stone Brother Jim used to get. I'm talking about the kind of stone <laughs> where they drop stones on you. He didn't know he was going to stand on Mars Hill and preach to those people about the unknown God. He knew the steps God had for him. They're Christian. Don't get caught up in wanting to know what's going to happen in 20 years. Don't get caught up and waiting, oh man, when I can really figure out where I'm going to be in five years. Take the step you know today. Take the step God reveals to you. That's the will of God. 
By the way, the will of God, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together, as the manner of some is. The, the will of God for every Christian is to gather with the local church. Amen. You're in the will of God tonight. Paul here discovered God's will for his life. God had a plan for him. By the way, God has a plan for your life. I, I love the passages when God says he's going to be a chosen vessel to carry the gospel of the Gentiles and the kings and to the a nation of Israel. And God had a purpose. But I don't know how much of that purpose Paul really understood yet. But God had a purpose for him. And Paul discovered the will of God. I, 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 I love seeing that. Verse four, or Number four tonight. At Straight Street, it was a street where a man was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 12. And he'd seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And we see that Saul not only came to know the Lord as a Savior, he had sight of knowing who God was and he believed on the Lord but he was born into the family of God. John tells us, the gospel of John chapter 1, uh, to many as believe, to them give he power to become the sons of God. And how wonderful that is. Uh, God provides for his children. But Saul needed to be filled with the Spirit to serve him effectively. It's great when a new convert is led to understand something. Uh, of the ministry and experience in the presence of the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever had a vehicle that had engine problems? You ever had some engine problems? Ever had a dead cylinder? I remember one time changing spark plugs for someone, and as I taking spark plugs out, I it was a it was a V8, and it was running it was running rough. And as I went to take spark plugs out, one of the spark plugs was broken in half, Brother Jim. And the, the wire was laying down, the electrode. It was running rough, all right. Wasn't even firing on one cylinder. It's amazing, once we put new spark plugs in, it connected the uh, spark plug wires, and everything was firing. It had a little more power. Christian, when we have the Holy Spirit's power, we're more effective for the work of God. And we see Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the presence of God. Number five, it was Straight Street. And, I, and I, this, is, this is powerful here. And by the way, we've seen it played out uh, five times already in 2024 here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Here's a man that openly identified himself with the Lord and with the Lord's people. What a great thing it was for Saul. The Bible says that he was baptized. Do you understand the, the powerful picture that was of Saul? Saul who was looking for people of the way so he could take him to prison. And Saul said, hey, I want others to know that I'm a person of the way. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And Paul was baptized. He, he left Judas's house here on Straight Street and, and went and got baptized. Uh, if there were those who wondered, the fact that they saw he got baptized publicly should have taken a lot of doubt away. 
because he was identifying himself with the Lord. I heard a story from the southern U.S. years ago, back in the 1860s, during the Civil War. And the northern troops, the Union troops, I was going to say the troops of northern aggression, Brother Jim, but I shouldn't say that. Uh, the, northern, the northern troops, I should preach there a while, but anyway, the northern troops, as they were marching down south, they passed a, a little small little shanty of a house. And on the front porch was a little grandmotherly little lady, just a tiny little old woman. And she's sitting there on the front porch. And she's got a Confederate flag. And she's waving her Confederate flag on the front porch as the Union troops rode by. And the Confederate soldier stopped in front of her house and said, Ma'am, don't you know you've lost the war? We're heading back north. The war is over. And she said, I don't care. She said, I want to make sure that you know which side I'm on. Uh, she's out there waving her flag. Christian, I praise God that Paul let the world know whose side he was on. As I mentioned five times already this year, we've got to see people associate themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and his people in the local church. Paul did that very thing here at Straight Street. How wonderful that is. Looking forward to baptizing my brother Bedrus this Sunday because he's going to do that same thing just as Paul did. Just as every believer since Christ has, has associated themselves through the picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. How powerful. Number six. It was the street, straight street, where a man was introduced to a new and a wonderful fellowship. You imagine if you were a Christian, a person of the way, in Saul of Tarsus' day, and somebody said, hey, Saul just walked in. You'd be like, I gotta get out of here. Uh, kind of like some of you do when you're somewhere you're not supposed to be and the pastor walks by. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I gotta get out of here. I don't want Saul to see me. Man, I don't want to talk to him. Now, those same people that ran away are running up to him and hugging him and welcoming him into fellowship. How wonderful the gospel is! How beautiful that connection. I may share, I think I shared this story a few weeks ago, but I know I was, I was sharing it with Pastor Wilkerson the other day. I remember it was Resurrection Sunday, 1995, I think it was. Yeah, 95. I was on a, bringing a bus of people to church on Sunday morning from Chicago to Hammond. And as I was up leading, singing on the bus, we had a long drive. We were going from the north side of Chicago down to uh, Indiana. I looked back, and halfway on the bus, on the right-hand side, was a family from Iraq. 
across the aisle from them, and this is 1995, so you understand the timeline a little bit. It'll help you understand how powerful this was. Right across the aisle was a family from Jerusalem. Now, in 1995, there wasn't a whole lot of times where you'd see a family from Jerusalem getting close to a family from Iraq. There were some difficult times. But can I tell you the commonality that brought them together? Both of those families had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I watched as they said and they talked and as they hugged one another because of the connection in Jesus Christ. Paul had that. And that started here on Straight Street as Paul was introduced to a new and a wonderful fellowship, not only with God. He was in the family of the redeemed. He belonged to the royal family of heaven. And we see that uh, from our verses. We see uh, letter A, he was with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Verses 5 and 6. He was with Judas, the man whose home it was, presumably a believer, in verse 11. He was with Ananias in verse 17. Uh, In uh, letter D, he was with those who baptized him. The Bible doesn't say who they were, but there was a public assembly of people when he was baptized. He was with them in verse 18. In verse 19, letter E, he was with those who fed him. Letter F, he was with the disciples in verse 19. In verse 22, letter G, he was with the others at Damascus. He was connected in a wonderful fellowship with believers. Number seven. It was on the street, straight street, where a man would become a living witness for the Lord. Look again at verses 20 through 22. And straightway, he preached Christ. Now, it wasn't unusual for Paul to be in the synagogue. Matter of fact, it would be highly unusual for him not to be in the synagogue. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. When he walked in, oh, Paul. Man, they, oh, I can't believe Paul would grace us. He would come uh, to our uh, temple. He would come here uh, and, and speak with us in the synagogue. And I'm sure they said, hey, would you speak? Would you read the Torah? Would, would you expound uh, the word of Jehovah? And Paul stood up. And he did the unthinkable. He preached Jesus Christ. Can, can I tell you that shook those people? The man who was fighting against Jesus Christ and the followers of Christ stood standing and preaching Christ. He became a living witness. The Bible says there that he preached, in verse 20, in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Verse 21, but all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them? which called on this name in Jerusalem. They wouldn't even say Jesus. This name. It was a dirty word to them, Jesus. They called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound, the chief priest. Verse 22, But Saul increased the more in strength 
and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. In other words, the Bible says those that heard Paul preach, they had no argument. They, they simply had to agree he must be the Christ, the Messiah. How powerful. He not only became a Christian, but he became a, he became a spirit-filled witness, witnesser from the very beginning. Like the woman at the well, come see a man. Told me all things I've ever done. Every one of you could name some streets from your hometown. I don't have any streets where I'm from. Uh, the only street I had was U.S. Route 35 that ran out in front of our house, a little highway. used to be a two-lane highway, but the gym's been there. Uh, now there's a four-lane highway on top of the hill, mountain up there. But we don't have city streets where I'm from. For those of you that grew up in different cities, you could name different streets. What happened in this street and that street? But can I tell you the, one of the most famous streets in all the world? Straight Street, Damascus, because that's where Paul met Jesus Christ. And it began a journey of ministry there. Began a journey that God would use. At 8400 Burr Street, Crown Point, Indiana, God would lay a burden on my heart to share the gospel beyond myself and beyond my realm of the world. God did the same for Paul. God wants to do the same for you. He asked the question, who are you? Paul did. Who are you, Lord? Kind of like Moses. God, what's your name? I am Jesus. He wanted Paul to know I'm God. I want you to know that I am the Messiah. Paul, you can trust me. Paul, you've been fighting against me, but I'm the one you've been looking for. Turn to John 20, and we'll close with this verse. As we turn to John 20, we see that, by the way, the word Jesus means Savior. When he spoke to Paul and told him, I'm the Savior, I'm Jesus. Paul's response, my Lord and my God. John 20, verse 28. Here we find another man, a man by the name of Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. I wonder when we get to heaven, how many, how many times Thomas is going to come up and say, why are you going to call me Doubting Thomas? Why are you going to spend 2,000 years calling me Doubting Thomas? He doubted. So did you, Christian. But notice here when, in verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, after Thomas doubted, Reach thither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach thither thy hand, and thrust into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. When doubting Thomas was confronted with the risen Lord, I want you to see what he said in verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord. And my God. Hey, Thomas wasn't doubting Thomas anymore. He said, I believe you, Lord. By the way, Thomas would go on to give his life for the gospel. Yeah, exactly. 
He wasn't doubting anymore. Christian Paul wasn't doubting. He, he spent his life doubting that Jesus was the Messiah, but from that moment, he didn't doubt. He was willing to give himself. He was one to sacrifice. It all happened right there in Damascus, right on Straight Street, Straight Street, as God did a great miracle. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd work in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the, mir the miracle that you've worked in the lives of the folks in this room, the miracles that you're still working. We thank you for the testimonies represented by those here in this room. Lord, we think of the great impact that Paul had for the gospel's sake. Great missionary. Lord, you used him to pen the word of God. You used him to preach to people that had never heard the gospel. You used him to help to train young pastors to, to lead and shepherd flocks of God. But Lord, I don't think your work is done. I think you want to use us. Lord, I pray that we would see the impact that we can have. That God, from this place on 95th Street, God, you'd do that same miracle again and again and again. Lord, we need you. Our world needs you. Help us now. Dismiss us with your grace tonight. In your precious name we pray. Amen.